Welcome to Ode to Games. My name's Logan Plan, joined today for a big show by Zach Ross. Hello, Zach. Hello, it's a really big show, because we got a lot to talk about this week. It is. As you may have heard last week on Ode to Games, we do have a lot to talk about. Also here to talk about it with us, Kevin Valine. Hello, Kev. Yeah, we had a pretty good prediction last week. Yeah? <laughs> At the, if you stuck around to the last moments of last week's show, you heard that I called a Nintendo Direct that did end up happening. We didn't have to delay our show. It was on a Wednesday no, we this time yeah. instead of a Thursday, which is a rarity. Uh, but we're going to talk a lot about that. We're also going to talk about the Days Gone director making headlines again for something very near and dear uh, to this show's core. And we got the final verdict on Skyward Sword HD and what else we've been playing. But let's dive right into that Nintendo Direct. The big stuff. There was a lot in this thing. Uh, we actually had the chance to watch it together, which was exciting. Kevin at 7 a.m., crack of dawn, woke up to join us for it. Me and Zach hopped on Discord to watch it too. And it was a fun one to watch together because a heck of a lot went down, including... What I think is the biggest thing to come out of this, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is getting 48 new tracks via paid DLC through 2023. So this is coming in six different waves of eight tracks. The first one is on March 18th, which for $24.99 for the entire set of 48 tracks, or if you're subscribed to the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack, which comes in at $50 a year. Wave one is the Golden Dash Cup, which includes Paris Promenade from Mario Kart 2 or the mobile game, Toad Circuit from Mario Kart 7, Choco Mountain from Mario Kart 64, Coconut Mall from Mario Kart Wii, and then the Lucky Cat Cup has Tokyo Blur from Mario Kart Tour, Shroom Ridge from Mario Kart DS, which, fun fact, there's a typo right now on Nintendo.com that says that's from Mario Kart 3DS, which I think is fun, uh, Sky Garden from Mario Kart Super Circuit on GBA, and the Ninja Hideaway from Mario Kart Tour. This These packs are going to be rolling out until the end of 2023, so a little over a year and a half. Big news, this game came out eight years ago in 2014 on Wii U. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe launched back in the first half of 2017, right after the Switch launched. Got no post-launch support whatsoever until now, five years later, 48 new tracks coming uh, in this wave format over the next year and a half. Kev, your first impression on this. This was the the best decision that they could have gone with, with Mario Kart. We've been talking about it for a while of like, it's been long enough from the original release of Mario Kart 8 that now would be the time to release the next Mario Kart. The problem is the Switch is still rolling along and I'm pretty sure that they want to keep Mario Kart 9 for whenever the Switch 2 comes along because as we know, Mario Kart sells extremely well. So if they can put that out in the first year of whatever comes after the Switch, it'll be perfect for the system. But then it's like, how are you going to breathe life into it if you are at all? I think this is the best way to do it. And the amount of tracks that they're throwing in here, like they could have just done like a set of like two, two cups or something and just did like one little paid thing. Be like, oh, you know, waiting for Mario Kart 9. That's not going to be out for a while, but here's here's some new tracks. But they're going all in. 48 tracks, 25 bucks is a great deal for it. And Logan, you were talking about it when we were watching earlier. It can turn into not smash completely, but that same idea of, you know, what's what's the next cup going to have? What are the next tracks going to be? And, you know, the anticipation builds for whenever they reveal the next cup of like, what are the what are the new tracks going to be from the old games? Like, that'll be huge. Yeah. And from from a fan standpoint, that's very exciting. But from Nintendo's perspective, too, it's a way to keep you subscribed to Switch Online if that's yeah. the route that you are choosing uh, to access these tracks through. And this is a killer app, in my opinion, 
for the Switch Online expansion pack. The Animal Crossing DLC didn't quite do it for me. I don't think any of us were sold on the idea that this is a reason to fork over 50 a year versus the cheaper plan at 20 or not subscribing at all to get access to the Happy Home Paradise DLC. This, however... I think is a great reason to hop on board the Switch expansion pack. It makes me wish at the time, Zach and I were talking about this a little earlier, why didn't Nintendo say at the time of the expansion pack rollout, we're going to use this as a way for first-party yeah. DLC? That would have been such a better story, but they didn't do that. They just said Animal Crossing, Genesis, and N64 games. But we said it on that episode. You can go back and listen. We said this should be a platform for first-party DLC, and now it is, and now it's enticing to subscribe. I think the only reason not to is that Nintendo priced it individually extremely competitively yeah. at $24.99, is that it's easy to just pick up, but if you were on the fence, this definitely probably pushed you over, and you've got a user base of 45 million people who own Mario Kart 8 that maybe aren't I don't know the numbers. No one does on how many people upgraded to the expansion pack, but I bet a good, a few million of them are going to, to access this DLC. So from that perspective, it's just a genius move. And like you said, Kev, saving the new ideas for Mario Kart 9, just bringing back retro courses is a great idea. And I've been saying for a long time on this show that I look at these other live service games and I want Mario Kart to be that. They did it with Mario Kart Tour, but the gotcha system was so unappealing and it controlled on a mobile format that it wasn't attractive. But if you there was can a take... tweet earlier where Diddy Kong was $15 more than the entire expansion pack of Mario Kart Tour, <laughs> which, which is, is disgusting. Ridiculous. But <laughs> if you have a console quality Mario Kart, Mario Kart 8 is, in my opinion, bar none, the best kart racer ever made. And you can have this consistent rollout of content and say... Every three months, you're going to come back and play eight new tracks. It's genius. It's a live service game with Nintendo's own spin, a compelling reason to stay subscribed to this thing that we've said on this show for years is a horrible service, but this is a big step in the right direction for it. I thought it was just huge, huge announcement, thrilling. I've been starved for new Mario Kart content for years, and I couldn't be more thrilled with how they're doing it. But Zach, let's hear from you too. I just, yeah, I agree, but I think it's weird that this consistent rollout of content is coming five years into the life they, of they the Switch version. <laughs> I think they probably could have taken all these courses and spread them out over the course of five years from the release to now, and that would have kept people from being content-starved, because like you said, you've just been playing this version of the game ever since you had a Switch, so... I get why it's looking a little stale, but for as someone who hasn't even bought into Mario Kart 8 on the Switch, this actually makes it a lot more enticing for someone who's been on the fence and hasn't even bought the for game sure. yet. So, someone like me, I was weirdly thinking about Mario Kart over the last couple of weeks. I guess I had a premonition or something like you know. that, as I tend to do. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I even some of the tracks that they've announced for the first rollout, like Chaco Mountain and uh, Coconut Mall, like some those are some of my favorites, like on the DS and the Wii game, so... Honestly, leaning a little more towards playing Mario Kart over the next coming years, uh, which is probably something that they were anticipating. And I saw a lot of negativity already, which, like, that's just the internet after one of these things. And, and people being upset that it was going to take a year and a half to get all this content. But for me, I'm looking at it like, I got new stuff to look forward to for the next year and a half in Mario Kart. And to me, that's exciting. To me, it's, it's exciting that every few months, me, Kev... All my friends, my family are going to be logging on to play the new tracks together. And that's something really fun that 
Mario Kart has always been, the game comes out, you play it a ton for a month, and then it really falls off. But I'm just so excited that it's going to be a reason to pop the cartridge back in and go back to Mario Kart until 2024, basically, which maybe by that point we'll be hearing about the next Nintendo system. Who knows? But I think it's an exciting uh almost experiment too for maybe what the next Mario Kart could be. Maybe it launches with fewer tracks and gets more rolled out over time. I'd personally be cool with that. And I'm excited to see Nintendo experience, experience, experimenting more with this <laughs> format uh, and seeing what comes of it. The one thing I will say though, the tracks don't look as, as good artistically as they do in Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart 8 is still one of the most gorgeous games around and the art design and and graphics of these tracks look like they're being ported over from Mario Kart Tour. They do not look as gorgeous uh, or as detailed as Mario Kart 8 does. So that's something that I was I was examining a little closer earlier today and like the trees look just much more generic like they did in the older Mario Kart games and Mario Kart 8 is still one of the best looking games on Switch and it's an 8-year-old game. So I think there could be some maybe stark contrasts between these new tracks and the older ones. But I guess at 50 cents a track, you can't complain too much. And at the end of the day, it is it is more content to refresh this game. It just might not be the premium content that maybe we'd expect it to be. I guess I have to wait and see when they come out. The other thing yeah. is, as of now, just tracks, no new characters. Where the heck is Diddy? Which, as we've t- as we talked about before... Mario Kart 8's roster is incredibly bizarre of just, one, some of its omissions, and two, some of the characters that are just taking up slots. I feel like it would have been the perfect opportunity to introduce a couple new characters. And if you're going back to the well of tracks, why not go back to the well of characters that didn't make it into this version that have been in past versions? Yeah. I mean, it is it is hard to complain when it's 25 bucks for basically an entirely new game in terms of how many tracks are on offer. But at the same time, I feel like it would have been the perfect opportunity to even bring back a couple of new characters, like in each wave have one new character to go along with the tracks. But yeah. Yeah. You got six waves of this stuff. You're looking at Birdo, Diddy, I don't know, Funky Kong. Like the Kongs are just supremely underrepresented (laughs) in this Mario Kart game. Uh, There's, yeah, there's a lot of characters that have just been cut that they could easily bring back. But I, I even would have paid 35 bucks if it meant we were getting six or eight more characters. Because uh, I think people were shocked at the price point, uh, largely. Except for the people who were like, you're making me pay for a DLC for a five-year-old port of an eight-year-old game. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. It's new content. doesn't matter how old the game is. It's, it's new content for the old game. Um, so that doesn't really make sense to me. But I'm really excited about this. We'll be seeing... A lot more Mario Kart in the news uh, coming up. We're also going to, on a future show, talk about our favorite tracks that we want to come back. Uh, So if you have any, email us, odegamescast at gmail.com, and we'll read those on the show. But for now, Kev, you got up to go grab some breakfast right when this started, and I was yelling (laughs) your name to try and get you to come back. And that is Mario Strikers Battle League is coming to Switch on June 10th. It is the first Mario Strikers. That's the soccer uh, sub-series of Mario Sports since Mario Strikers charged on the Wii, on the Wii. over a decade ago. And it, <laughs> yeah. It's coming back. Kevin and I really like this series. Uh, we got five-on-five five soccer. It appears that captains and sidekicks, kind of the old format, is gone. 
Now it's individual characters making up your five-on-five five team. you got customizable gear that both changes how your characters look and their stats. Local and online play up to eight players locally, which is super exciting. And there's an online play club system where you can join a club with up to 20 other people and then compete against other clubs to try and top the rankings. So a big return for Mario Strikers. Kevin, we love this series. What would you think of this first look? Is cool. I, I I couldn't believe it. I have been relegated to the idea that they're just going to keep on pumping out tennis and golf and completely ignore my two favorites in strikers and baseball. I'm still waiting on baseball, but I honestly did not expect to see strikers come back. And it was so great to see it come back. And it looks like things haven't changed. We've we've talked before about how some of the Mario spinoff games have gotten kind of bland and they don't have a lot of character. And if you're looking at any of the sports games, Mario Strikers has the most character. It has the most striking character design. It is the most brutal where they have the electric fences on the sides. I remember in Strikers Charge in the intro scene, all the fans were coming and they went onto the state onto the field and got electrocuted by the by the <laughs> walls when they were trying to get in. Like it's brutal. And that's all here. It hasn't it doesn't seem like it's lost a step. And it looks like they're taking ideas from both the original Strikers and Charged. Uh, from the original Strikers, it was with the super system, you would go up and do the super and you could get one or two goals, I believe. Yeah. Whereas Strikers Charged, depending on how well you did the the QTE, it could be like up to five or six goals. Oh my so, gosh. And, and it also depended on, you had to play the goalie as well. So you were supposed to block it with the Wii remote uh, on charge. So it looks like they're bringing back the original idea of the supers from the original strikers, but also updating it with the side characters. In the original, you would just pick, you know, Toads or Hammer Bros, and all of your sidekicks would be that. But in charged, they allowed you to pick a character based on their position, and you could outfit your team with a bunch of different characters. So I'm glad that's coming back. So it looks like an amalgamation of those original two games with uh, a lot more on offer, especially when it when it comes with the online service. It looks like there's a lot more going on there. So I am very excited. I can't believe it's back. Me neither. But it's, it's great that it's back, and I hope that that paves the way for baseball to come back sometime in the future too. That's all that's left. We've got golf, tennis, and strikers on Switch. So baseball is the, the big series that's still yet to come. Of course, there's the – this compilation game sports mix and those are very sports good superstars but yeah those aren't great so it's it's got to be baseball and i was thinking june has been a big staple for mario sports games on switch 2018 was tennis 2021 was 10 or uh 2018 was tennis 2021 was golf and now soccer in 22 so maybe a couple junes from now we could be seeing a, a mario baseball coming back to switch would be great but i'm very excited about soccer you nailed it kev the style is really what struck me about this. Just the electric fences and just the really unique costume and character design. Like DK looking like a gladiator rolling in on this on this soccer pitch. It just looks awesome. And then some of the comic book anime superhero style uh, stuff of some of the flashier moves. It looks exactly like the box art does look for the first two Mario Strikers games. Just that really stark visual style with bright colors and thick black lines. It it looks fantastic, and Aces and Super Rush are the most bland Mario games out there. So to see this one come back with big personality it was a huge surprise from this Direct. 
Zach, I know you're not the biggest Mario sports guy. You famously <laughs> rage quit on Mario Tennis, never to return. Limited exposure to Super Rush, uh, but did this announcement do anything for you? No. Uh, like you said, I've never been crazy into the Mario sports games. Even growing up, I think the only one I played was the sports mix. Um which you are. Maybe that's, that's why you don't like it. Very good. <laughs> that's yeah, you got maybe. off on the wrong foot And there. then after that, it was just Aces and the, the Super Rush. So I've not had a lot of good experience with Mario sports games. I haven't really liked any of the ones I've played a crazy amount. So I love the design. I think the, the soccer gear... I don't think soccer players actually wear that level of gear. <laughs> Absolutely <but> not. <laughs> I think it looked pretty cool. And then, like you said, the, the artistic style of the thick black lines with like the paintbrush stroke style i think that's super cool too so yeah depending on reviews maybe i'll definitely play it with logan in person <laughs> yeah. because i'm probably not gonna buy it but yeah, i'm sure it'll do pretty well i'm excited to have a game I that so. kevin and i are gonna play online together it's it's hard to find time with him over in japan and us in the states but this is what i know we'll make time for because we, we talk about strikers and sluggers all the time and now we've got one of them it's so good to have it back. <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad they decided to resurrect it. Who was the goalie in uh, the one on the Wii? It was, I don't remember his name, but it was like the Gator. Yeah. kind of looks like Vector. The, the Kremlin. Yeah. Oh, he's a Kremlin. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, he <laughs> was the one. I, never, he... I didn't play Donkey Kong, so I didn't know who it was. Yeah, it was King K. Some... Rules Minions uh, from the okay. Country series. But he's been replaced. He, he was in both oh. games. Now it's Boom Boom is the goalie in the new Mario Strikers. Dang, so, he's out of a job. Yeah. I am so, curious okay. to see what the roster is because some of the some of the characters in tennis and golf on Switch are bizarre choices. And this is not the same developer. We don't know who it is, but I can tell you it's not the same as golf. That game just came out a year ago. We don't know if it's being handled internally at Nintendo or if it's next level games. I was hoping for an announcement on if it was next level. They made the first two Mario Strikers games. Their last game was Luigi's Mansion 3 in 2019 uh, since then they were acquired by nintendo so this could very easily be then but we'll have to wait and see uh, but if it is them it'd be great to have strikers back in the hands of the original creators because those games are so great and just luigi's mansion 3 has fantastic personality and animation and so just the pedigree of that studio would be really exciting to be handling a mario sports game which really recently have felt not a priority to nintendo whatsoever yeah, I'm excited to pick this up. Probably day one. Day one, absolutely. June 10th, Mario Strikers Battle League. Uh, very excited uh, to talk about that one in just a couple months. Another one that uh, we'll be going to Kevin to first on this one, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, heavily rumored to appear in the next Nintendo presentation, and it did. It was the last announcement of the show, announced for September 2022. Got a couple of new protagonists named Noah and Mio. And there are, there's a battle between two nations. I don't know how to pronounce these. Kevis and Agnes? Are those from the prior prior games? No. Okay. It's interesting because reading things about the game, it's it sounds like they're wanting to like bridge gaps between the two games and connect yeah. things. But at the same time, these worlds are not, I don't think they're really connected. Or at least they're not talked about. I mean, in the first game, it was Bionis and Mechonis. I forget. what What was it? Man, I forget the name of uh, of the place in two. Um, it was only one that time, I believe. Um, but yeah, I don't think these are the same places, but they are. It, it sounds like they're trying to to bring in elements from those from those first two games. 
Yeah, I was watching a uh, reaction from someone who knows far more about Xenoblade than myself, and they seem to think that Bionis and Mechonis from Xenoblade Chronicles 1 were in that trailer. So they seem to think that it was a long time later returning to uh, these areas from Xenoblade Chronicles 1. And then, yeah, there was a letter from the director of the game that went up shortly after the Nintendo Direct where they specifically said they were going to connect the futures of Chronicles and Chronicles 2. Which with some of these, you never know what that means. Yeah. Like they get really archaic and and just cryptic about this stuff. So it's like, you never know exactly what they mean by that. If it's like very blatant, like characters will show up or if it's very minute and it's kind of just like, oh yeah, you know, they're all, you know, parallel universes or something where it's like, uh, they mention it, but it's not as big of a deal. So mm-hmm have to wait and see how much they connect because they didn't connect in in one and two one and two are pretty pretty standalone like playing through all of two there really wasn't anything mm-hmm. that uh story-wise that tied back to the original characters or world so see how they do that with this one but it looks gorgeous yeah it shows some of the, i mean that's what xenoblade's always been known for is those wide expansive areas and you know of course on the wii it, <laughs> it struggled on there <laughs> And new 3DS <laughs> and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 looks really good. But to an extent, I feel like that was a very early Switch game. And I feel like they've learned a lot more in the last couple of years. I think Xenoblade Definitive Edition looks really good. I, I think that this game could look pretty stunning because uh, they've been working on it for a while. Yeah, I thought it looked amazing. Uh, I've always thought the voice acting was a little hit or miss in everything I've seen from Xenoblade 1 and 2 and X. But I thought the voice acting they at least selected for this first look sounded very good. And the game, yeah, it just looked absolutely gorgeous. And like you said, Kev, just being this late into the Switch's life cycle, it's going to look better than Chronicles 2 did. I expect the same for like Breath of the Wild 2 to be a, a visual step up from the first one. So that that's an exciting part of being this late into a hardware cycle. Uh, and yeah, this one was heavily rumored for a while, but a cool capper for the, the Direct as a whole. Zach, anything to add on Xenoblade 3? You know, once I was aware that it was Xenoblade, I tuned out a little bit for fear of <laughs> spoilers because I didn't really know if they were connected or not. And I don't know if I'm ever going to go. And I, and... Yeah, I don't. Until I play it, I won't know if they're connected either. But yeah, one exactly. or two really weren't. So I was I was trying to, like, look at the, the pretty anime characters, but also trying not to absorb a whole lot of what was going on just in yeah, case. They just show Shulk dying in the trailer. There goes Rex. He's a bad guy now. I don't know any of this stuff. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, like you said, it looks really good. Um, and yeah, definitely a benefit of not being built at the beginning of the life cycle and maybe like being between Wii U and Switch like Breath of the Wild was. Something that's built from the Switch as it is now, I'm sure it'll look pretty good so yep. crazy to me how much support xenoblade's gotten I know. like especially it's thinking big, big back to the original on the wii where it was you know people were having to petition to get that thing to come over to north america it was in japan and europe was working on it but it took a bunch of people screaming at nintendo of america to bring it over and now in the span of five years there's three games two the definitive edition of the first one with its extra added content and three and Torna was its own physical release. And Torna. Yeah. Yeah. It's been wild. It's become this huge tentpole JRPG series for Nintendo. And 
I I knew that two was pretty well received. I didn't know it was the hit, really this big of a hit to spur not only a definitive edition of the original, but then the third as well. And I think it's only a matter of time till we get X. I think that's the biggest question left is, is that game going to stay stranded on Wii U? But Switch, I think, is here to stay for a while. I don't think we're looking at the successor now for a couple years. So a couple years down the line after Xenoblade 3, I think you could see X make its way here too. And you could have four full Xenoblade games plus the Torna spinoff all on Switch. And it's five five releases. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm glad that it's getting the support. And I'm glad that... Uh... The people are enjoying it and buying it because it's a great series of games. Yeah, so that is a game, a sequel to a game that came out in 2017. It's been, I started to notice this trend late last year. It's become kind of a meme uh, into early 2022 that this really is 2017 part two. You got Xenoblade, you got Zelda. Now Mario Kart is getting in on that too. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe in 2017, now the DLC in 2022. And another one, a kind of under the radar under the radar one, Fire Emblem Warriors came out in 2017, and now we're getting a sequel, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. That sounds like three houses. It's because it is. This is coming on June 24th, and it is a sequel to 2017's Fire Emblem Warriors. This one starring the characters from 2019's Three Houses. You've got the leaders of the Three Houses, Edelgard, Dimitri, and Claude kind of taking center stage, and other characters as well. Byleth was in the trailer. Female Byleth is who they're picking as the main Byleth in this one, which... Uh, I thought it was pretty neat. Uh, and then, I love female Byleth. That's who I chose. This is pretty interesting because it seems like an alternate history to the Three Houses universe where instead of the houses kind of eventually warring against each other, it appears that the three leaders of the houses come together and work together to, to fight off some foe. So an alternate take on Fodlin's history from Fire Emblem Three Houses in the Muso Warriors style. It's the fourth collaboration we've seen between Nintendo and Koei Tecmo in the Warriors series. Zach, I know you really liked Three Houses, but you're not too hot on this. Yeah, I've never been a huge fan of the Warriors style of game. I played some Dynasty Warriors back in high school, wasn't a huge fan, tried out some of the Hyrule Warriors games, I didn't really click with it. Um, I do really enjoy Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, just don't think that the world and the characters are enough to pull me into a Warriors-type game, especially when the story doesn't seem like it'll be canonical in any sort of way. It's just more like a, a skin that they can use as a layover for this new Fire Emblem Warriors sequel. Um, I think you said the first Fire Emblem Warriors was fairly well-received. Yeah, um, it's okay. <laughs> all right. It's fine. <laughs> oh, Dece. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm ever going to pick this up unless I have some sort of renaissance of Warriors-style games that I've realized I've been missing out on for so long. So it's just good to see that they're they're moving along with the, the my favorite Fire Emblem being the only one that I've played. <laughs> Yeah, Kev, what do you think of this one? No real comment. You know, no. I haven't... I've played maybe 30 to 40 minutes of any sort of Dynasty Warriors game. Uh, played a bit with a friend, and then that demo of uh, Breath of the Wild one. And I have no real connection to Fire Emblem in any way. So there's not a whole lot here that's drawing me in. Um Hopefully people aren't disappointed that it wasn't a new Fire Emblem. I, I swear there was just rumors all over the place that they were going to be announcing, you know, new Fire Emblem projects. So there's like multiple in the works, like a new one. And 
and a remake of something. This was one of them now. There were rumored to be three in the works. A new one, a remake, and a Warriors. So we got the Warriors this time. Hopefully the rest of them roll along for the core fans, but and I would Warriors not, fans, you know, I would not be surprised if we were supposed to get another one in this direct until Advanced Wars got pushed. I think that if you come out and you announce another Tactics Fire Emblem game, you looked at this direct. There were three major Tactics games coming mm-hmm. out. You had Advanced Wars, you had Triangle Strategy, and then you had that Square Enix remake. What was it called? Front Mission? Is that is that the title? I don't remember exactly. First, first mission. Our mission first. Something like Something that. Like that. Yeah, but you had three big tactics games coming, and two published by Nintendo with Advance Wars and Triangle Strategy. So I think that if you announced a, another tactics game in a series far more popular than a new IP in Triangle Strategy and a revival of Advance Wars Reboot Camp, I think you send those two to die. So I think that. This is good franchise care for Fire Emblem getting a new entry. It's It's been a while. Three years since Three Houses. It got DLC a year later, but pretty much radio silent on the series since then. Uh, so to get that, I think, is good. Another thing I think is interesting is that both Hyrule Warriors and Fire Emblem Warriors have now taken the same path with their two games. You had the first game just that was a celebration of the whole series. You had crossover from every game, basically, in the franchise, maps from across the franchise, But then in the second iteration, you had it focusing on what has kind of become the most popular iteration of that franchise with the Breath of the Wild Musou game and now the Three Houses Musou game. So I think it's interesting that uh, we talked about this before. I feel like Breath of the Wild has almost become more popular than Zelda, like as a brand. And I feel that way about Three Houses too, in that it's overtaking Fire Emblem in terms of brand recognition. So it makes sense for them to get these sequels. I just think it's interesting that both series have followed the same path. I mean, to be fair, if you look at the sales numbers, you, you yep. know, wouldn't be, you know, blamed for thinking that, you know, they are the top selling games in their series. And partly due to the fact that they're just on the Switch. Yeah. 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 So it's interesting. Fire Emblem Warriors, I talked about it before. I have played all three Warriors games from Nintendo and Fire Emblem is my least favorite one because the characters all kind of play the same. You only you have axe wielders, sword wielders, lance wielders, not much variety. Where you look at Zelda and you have the Sheikah Slate that Zelda uses, or you have Link can ride a horse, or he can use a bow and arrow or a fire rod. There's so much variety there. And then the, the boss variety too, it was always just duels with other warriors. But Three Houses is unique because one of the main enemy types is the the beasts, the dragons that you face off against. And those were in this trailer. So I have faith that the enemy variety could be better in this Three Hopes. And hopefully they figured out some of the criticisms with the the character variety too and have some different things. Because at the end of the day, it's still Fire Emblem and you only have so much source material to pull from. But I'm hopeful. I'm definitely going to pick this up and play it. I really actually like these Warriors games. Uh, I think they're a little bit underrated just because the Dynasty Warrior games aren't as good as them. These are the best versions of of those games. Uh, (laughs) They're they're pretty good. Age of Calamity was phenomenal. And I I have hope for this one. I have three hopes for this one. I think it'll be pretty neat. Sorry for the pun. I don't like that What are your three hopes? (laughs) Uh, That they fix the, the player character variety, fix the variety of the enemies, and let you swap between characters on the battlefield. 
because that adds way more strategy when you can actually like say, okay, you're going to go here and work on this while I go over here and work on this. It makes it a lot more less mindless when you're actually planning out the strategy for these, for these individual encounters. So yeah, it could be neat. And it was a cool surprise. And these games are just all coming so soon. Like yeah. we're, there, there's so much we didn't know about that now is less than half a year away. It's, it's just what crazy. Nintendo does now. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Another one of those that will that Zach is very excited for Nintendo <laughs> Switch Sports. This is the spiritual yeah. successor to Wii Sports. It's got the same font. It's got the same piano music and branding. They've no got means. they've got no me's though. New <laughs> characters. Not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> We've got soccer, volleyball, bowling, tennis, badminton, and kambara. Is that how you say that? I think Close so. enough. It's sword fighting, I don't though. What that was. The oh, sword that was sword fighting. Sword fighting. That's yeah. what it was. From Wii Sports <laughs> Resort. Rip Baseball. It got cut from the Wii Sports Yeah, lineup. that sucks. That's baseball was That's great. Fine. Yeah. It was the worst one. <laughs> Boxing was the worst one. Boxing was the best. Yeah, they, they did get rid of that. You've got golf coming later via a free update in the second half mm. of this year. An online play test is coming next Friday. That's the 18th uh, through the Sunday. There's a physical edition that comes with a leg strap from Ring Fit Adventure. It's the same Joy-Con leg strap for soccer. The digital doesn't come with that and costs $39.99. We don't know how much the physical costs yet. But some of the modes that the leg strap supports come in later through an update. So it's kind of messy, all the rollout for this thing. Uh, But Nintendo Switch Sports, Zach, I know you're excited. Yeah, this was very exciting for me. I'm a huge fan of Wii Sports back in the day. I mean, it came packaged in with everyone's brand new Wiis, so everyone had a chance to play this who had a Wii for the most part. And yeah, I, I just put so much time into, you know, building up my tennis cred and building up my bowling cred and just the endless hours spent in this. It became a real gaming milestone for me. And now it's just such a vibe that as soon as you see that, font and hear that music you're like oh yeah it's 2008 let's do some bowling so yeah i am i am very excited for this i'm glad they got rid of the ugly me's i'm glad it's actually characters i i do agree that the rollout was a little confusing they didn't do a great job of like going over everything in the in the trailer and then we had to watch a a, a volleyball match with (laughs) luckily it wasn't too executives no we thought it was going to be way longer but yeah it only they only won a couple points but yeah I like the sports that they've chosen. Um, it's fine that they'll be rolling some more out at the end of the year. Um, definitely excited to pick this one up and have some fun playing it. Yeah, Kev. I got a little bit hopeful when they showed that map off. I'm like, oh, are they going to bring back something like the uh, you know Woohoo Island and the exploration that is not there? Ah, uh, I uh, missed the plane. Yeah, that that was like the coolest thing in uh Wii Sports Resort. Yeah. Like I spent so many hours in that. And you know, Wii Sports Resort has a much different vibe, of course, it being a resort island and having all of these resort games where they probably wouldn't fit as well in this version. So, you know, I'm not gonna fault them for uh for kind of cutting those out. And it's a budget title at 40 and I believe Wii Sports Resort was full priced at the time. So Yeah, because it came you know, bundled with they, the Motion Plus too. So there was hardware yeah. in there. Yeah, just like this the, the leg strap. Yep. <laughs> New hardware. <laughs> But yeah. this is another one in the same vein of uh, of Strikers where I'm just surprised they brought it back. Like, I'm also wondering why they why they decided to do one two switch instead for for the launch of the of the switch. Maybe they just wanted to completely distance themselves from the Wii for the time being. But better late than never. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see it come back and 
yeah, that vibe is very nostalgic of 2007, 2008 with the music and everything. I'm going to wonder if it's going to be as big of a deal as... Obviously, it's not going to be as big of a deal as it was back then. Mm-hmm. More so, is it going to be as enjoyable as it was back then? Because it was such a new concept of like, this is crazy. Like, I can, you know, use motion and do all these sports. And now, you know, you're used to it. And sometimes yeah. you're actively annoyed by it, depending on the game. So I'm wondering if it'll have a similar pull that that original game did. But I'd be willing to give it a shot. Yeah, we'll see how this one does. We'll see if... The nostalgia is there, and if people see Nintendo Switch Sports and automatically have that connection with Wii Sports, especially because it's not the Miis. I think that I like the look of the new characters over the Miis. I think that Nintendo is so scarred by the Wii U and reusing all that branding, they're never going back. Kev, I think you got it exactly right. That's why this wasn't at the Switch launch, is because they weren't like, we're not doing this a third time in a row. We're not just (laughs) releasing a third Wii. But I think now's a good time for it to come back. But I agree. I'm not sure if it's going to be it's not it's for sure not going to be even close to the the cultural impact it had uh, back when the Wii launched but and of course it was a pack in then so that made it much yeah. easier for everyone to get their hands on it but it's still going to sell though it's going to sell really well it's on the switch yeah everything does but one thing that i thought was gone from the Wii era is these awkward motion control demonstrations it's like we get it we get how it works we it brought back flashbacks of Wii music on stage at E3, Skyward Sword with its bungled motion control demo at E3 a, a separate year. It's like, really? Did you need to spend a minute of your direct losing to some NPCs in a volleyball match? I didn't need to see that. So I thought that was a really interesting choice because usually these things are paced so well. And I was like, we haven't seen them do this in a really long time. Uh, but it was cute. Uh, he was wearing the, the volleyball jersey, which I thought was funny. Um, but yeah, this could be big. Nintendo Switch Sports, not the hottest title, doesn't flow <laughs> off the tongue quite as well as Wii Sports does. Yeah, but I'm curious to see how this does. It's also priced better than One Two Switch was. That came in at fifty dollars, and this that is was, 40. that's still disgusting even now. Yeah. I still can't believe they priced that thing at fifty bucks. That should have been a pack-in title. But this is a great casual play. It's it's a fantastic casual play with that and with the Mario Kart. Uh, there is a lot of stuff for. The mainstream fan that's not listening to this show, that's not watching the direct, that's just going to hear this through word of mouth and be like, oh, Wii Sports is back? Oh, I played that 10 years ago, and I'll play it again. So I think this is a big win uh, that some fans like Zach are also excited for. (laughs) I was going to say, am I that casual player? (laughs) You are. (laughs) Fit that bill. Now, if you're a Switch Lite owner, got to remember that uh, I don't think this thing's going to work. Because it's all motion controls. So... You know, hopefully they get the messaging right on that for those casual players that have a Switch Lite that that don't maybe make the instant connection of the motion controls and this won't yeah. work on there, that that this will not work for your system. Because we haven't had too many of those. Like Mario Party mm-hmm. had modes that wouldn't work right in um, what, without motion controls or something. I Super there was Mario something Party like, you couldn't play at all. You needed a Switch Lite okay. to play Super Mario okay. Party, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully the messaging is there. Just people aren't too confused. Yeah. That'd be painful. You download a game you can't play. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh. There's no kickstand on the Switch Lite either. So you have to, like, prop it up <laughs> if you yeah. if you even connect Joy-Con. Yeah. Oh, God. And then the last big thing we're talking about uh, before we talk about some smaller things 
is a previously unreleased out of Japan JRPG. It's called Live Alive. It's from Square Enix. Nintendo's publishing it here in the States. It's coming in July of this year. It's an HD 2D remake. And guys, this game looks really cool. We all went into this, didn't really know what it was. I saw a lot of people that I follow on Twitter freaking out about this game. It originally came out in September of 1994 on the Super Famicom. That's the Super Nintendo over here. And it's got seven different characters in seven different time periods. And you play through their stories. You've got Wild West. You've got a street fighting in the present. You've got a psychic guy in the near future. You've got a robot in the far future. And a few more that uh, I'm forgetting offhand right now. And then at the end, apparently they all intertwine somehow. So it looks really phenomenal. The HD 2D style is gorgeous. And this, I think, for all of us, was one of the biggest surprises of the Direct. Yeah, I went through uh, the whole run of emotions from like, oh, is this is this uh, one of the Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest uh, HD 2D games? And then it's like, no, it's not. And then you're like, what is this? Like, I have no idea because it's swapping between the styles because it has all of those different ages. Yeah. And you're like, what is happening? I don't know what this is. And then by the end, you're like, wow, this this looks super cool. And thinking about where it came from in the nineties, like this seems super ambitious for that time of having these like seven different intertwining stories from all these different areas and all coming together. And it's another one where I'm sure that for fans of the series, just not even expecting it whatsoever for it to come back. And then it's just like, Hey, I'm here, I'm back. And it's always cool to see games that just completely flew under the radar and did not get localized years ago, decades ago to get resurrected and brought uh, west for the first time is always super cool. Yeah, this is one that I'm probably going to pick up on day one. I'm super into it. And it's directed by the same guy who directed Chrono Trigger a couple years later. So some real pedigree there. Also involved in the Final Fantasy series. So really excited like for that. Very high pedigree there. Like, yeah. Um, the, the guy who created Detective Conan does the art, which I thought was wild. Uh -huh. Like... So, some of the people that they had work on this, I'm just surprised that it wasn't bigger than it was um, yeah. back then. But I guess I guess back then it really was Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy was the big one. Dragon Quest couldn't even survive over here. So yeah. now is the time for it to come back. Now is the perfect time to bring it over. And Zach, I know you love this HD 2D art style that some of these games are going for right now. I'm actually a really huge fan of this art style, but for as someone who wasn't super interested in Octopath Traveler and isn't really super interested in Triangle Strategy, and the Dragon Quest Three remake is still Ways in the away. distant future, like this, this is my chance to really dive into a game with this style because, like you said, this game's got a lot of uh, history of people loving it, a lot of pedigree. It looks gorgeous. It looks super cool from the trailer. So. Definitely very excited and probably also a day one pickup for me. And how long to beat? 20 hours. Very so reasonable. Good length. Good length. Good length. That was Octopath Traveler. <laughs> this is like, I didn't know this game existed, but I think it's what I wanted Octopath Traveler to be. My two biggest gripes were, well, I guess three. The grinding, the length, those kind of go together. And then the fact that these characters just never interacted with each other and I couldn't get over it. And it makes sense here because you've got the different time periods. So you're not the characters aren't even together that are the stars of this show. It's you're experiencing these stories separately, and then I'm guessing somehow they do intertwine in some weird way. And you can play them in any order too, which is really cool. It's just like you said, Kev, for for a 28 year old game, 
That's really ambitious, and I'm excited to see it. And yeah, this is probably a day one pickup for me. We've I've been saying that about too many games, both my gaming <laughs> time and my wallet terrifying. are hurting. But that's how good this show was. It, it was really great. Uh, those are all the big things. There were some smaller things. We got a new trailer for Kirby, which is out next month, that showed the brand new mouthful mode, which if you ever thought that Kirby couldn't get more ridiculous, oh my gosh, he can't inhale a car, it's too big, so instead his entire mouth is just wrapped around this thing. He's like a big tarp just attached it to like, this car. looks like a skin suit almost. It's, like he's, he's just like wearing it. It is bizarre. <laughs> he's a light bulb. He's a vending machine. He's a ring He's a water balloon. There's, it's just ridiculous. It's hilarious. And not only that, it looks like some good gameplay innovation that I think Kirby's been needing. So this game just continues to look like the best we've seen from Kirby in a really long time. Yeah, it really opens the door to more gameplay styles because you already got all of the different capture abilities, which already lends itself well to having different play styles depending on which ones you get. But you have this where you can transform into all of these different objects they showed off that you can upgrade the abilities too. Like, there seems to be a lot more ways to play Kirby uh, with his different powers in this one, which is super cool. It's yeah. inching more and more towards like, I think I have to play this uh, after yeah. this trailer. Day one, day one pickup, Kirby of the Forgotten Land. That's it, coming out on March 25th. Really excited for that one. Earthbound, finally on Switch Online, along with Earthbound Forever. Beginnings. Uh, that's Mother in Japan, the NES game that started the series that was localized on Wii U in 2015 for the first time. Uh, but about time, no idea why it took so long, but now Zach can finally get past that first boss. Are yes. you actually going to play it, Zach? Honestly, probably now more so. Let's There's go. a higher chance. Uh, but if I get stopped by that first boss again, I'm never going back. So there's a lot I'll probably on this. <laughs> I'll probably try it. Sweet. If Kevin can get past it and I can't, I'm going to feel real bad about it's myself. We'll see if I can get past it. <laughs> you just refuse to grind, Zach. It's like the only part in the Wait, game. But, the you're but you are complaining about the grind in Octopath, but now i got to grind in Earthbound? It's the only the place boss. in the entire game you have to grind. The beginning that's, of that game is balanced weird. weirdly, but then it gets better. <laughs> yeah. All right. Advance Wars got a date, April 8th. Nintendo leaked it themselves like a month ago, uh, but now it's official, Sweet. and it's looking good. It's looking pretty yep. good. Looks the same as it did before, which means it looks good. Definitely yeah. interested in picking it up. Yeah, some modes that the people line. were worried weren't returning uh, are coming back, like the level editor and a few other challenge modes. So those are in the game. Some people were worried it was just going to be the campaigns based on some phrasing of some earlier marketing. Uh, but it looks pretty content complete. Two games for 60 bucks. Looks nice. April 8th. Just another another big game. Good Lord. For Nintendo uh, in this calendar. Uh, one of my biggest disappointments of the Direct was Splatoon 3's presence. I thought this was it. I thought this was the big show for Splatoon 3. I thought we were going to get a May release date. We didn't even get a date. We just got summer 2022. They confirmed Salmon Run is returning, and they showed off a couple of new Salmonoids, which are the, the big villains that you fight in Salmon Run, which looked cool. There's one you, like, climb a tower, and you shoot a bunch of guys swirling around at the top of the tower, but I'm still waiting on the reason Splatoon 3 exists besides to sell millions of copies. Why are we getting a sequel on the same console, I still don't know. You got Salmon Run, you got Turf War, you've got some new weapons, some new enemies, but what's the big hook, Kevin, that justifies Splatoon 3's existence? 
to me, it hasn't shown up yet. Correct me no. if I'm wrong, but Salmon Run was that for Splatoon 2. Yeah, uh-huh, wasn't it? For because sure. beyond Salmon Run, Splatoon 2 was basically the original with, you know, some mm-hmm. added, you know, weapons and, and maps and stuff. And that, that also, they had to roll those maps out over time. That was a slow build, like it was with the first game, I believe. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how those Splatoon games work. Splatoon going, yeah. But, yeah... It, it makes it an even tougher sell when it is on the same console. When you're talking about this coming out on whatever comes after the Switch, then it's like, well, this is the way to play Splatoon on this new console. But if it's on the exact same console, you would hope that they would have some sort of new mode beyond just a couple of new bosses and a couple yeah. of new maps. It's like, why am I paying $60 more? Maybe Maybe there's still a lot in that story that we don't know. Maybe it'll be... Uh, to a level of quality that uh, the DLC was, which I've heard was fantastic was. in the story department. Um, but at the same time on that, I feel like most people don't play Splatoon for that, even if it's good. Like, they they need that multiplayer, whether it's Salmon Run cooperatively or they want bigger innovations with, with the online, uh, like, ranked matches. And so far, you know, they haven't shown that off yet. They've got time, because, of course, we don't have a date yet, so... I feel like they've got at least one more chance to have like a big, you know, like blowout show for it and give it the date, but they're going to need to hit it on that. There wasn't anything in there that pushed me any closer to, to picking it up. Yeah. I think it's going to be a battle Royale. I really do. I think Splatoon three is going to introduce a battle Royale mode, not with like a hundred people. Uh, but maybe like 30 people, even just a mode with more than the eight you traditionally get uh, in a Splatoon match. I think that's going to be the the big thing. In addition to a meaty single player campaign, Salmon Run coming back, and fixes to some of the nagging issues that still made it into the, <laughs> the second The party game. system? <laughs> Nonsense. Uh, yes. And that, oh, I think, would be enough. I think that... I'm picking it up day one no matter what because I'm a Splatoon super fan. I love this series. But for like you guys who are fringe on getting it and some of my other friends that are like, I played two, I might play three. It's like, what what's going to get them to, to hop in an online lobby with me so I'm not just there playing alone with the, the few Splatoon uh, hardcore that, <laughs> that made the leap. So that's what I'm worried about. So that was my biggest disappointment of the show was Splatoon 3 because it was like, that's it? Like, why is it even here? Just tell me it E3 Salmon Runs back. I didn't need to see it today. Yeah. Yeah. Zach's out on Splatoon. I'm trying to get ahead. But I think <laughs> I'm not on the fringe. She lied. <laughs> you are <laughs> completely off. I'm, I will off not the train. be playing Splatoon. You're... No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got a free Metroid Dread update that adds difficulty options. You've got a one hit kill mode, which sounds absolutely no, brutal. But you've also got a rookie mode, which makes the game easier. And the main criticism of that was of Dread was that it was too hard and there was no way to tone that down. So now it is even more recommendable to go play Metroid Dread because it has an yeah. easier difficulty. Definitely now you can look it. you can look forward to the streamer uh streaming it blindfolded on the one <laughs> shot kill in like a week. Oh my god. Completion because these people are crazy. Yeah. It's also getting a boss a boss rush mode in April. So, I was hoping for Free some content? DLC, uh, but it's uh, I'm glad it's getting something uh, that it's not just completely wrapped up. Then uh some games, some ports come in Portal 1 and 2. A Klonoa 1 and 2 in a collection. Cool. And a Chrono Cross remaster. So just a lot of stuff people have been asking for that were just quietly confirmed and announced in this thing. So this was a phenomenal direct. And specifically with Chrono Cross, there was uh, a thing where they're localizing the, what, Satellaview? 
little like side project that connected Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, I believe. Yeah. Which was crazy because, you know, that was another thing. The Satella View never made it out of Japan and yeah. no one really expected it to. And you also expect that whatever was on the Satella View is just dead on there. A lot of it's so lost it's super forever. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super cool that not only are you getting Chrono Cross coming back, but you're also getting another thing that, you know, lost to time and lost to being only in one region. Like, you know, just shows that they care that they're like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to bring this bizarre, like to tell a view project back that connects these two games. Yeah. And uh, Zach, you were excited for Klonoa. Yeah. I've definitely heard a lot of people in the past talking about Klonoa and I've seen some clips of it, you know, throughout the last decade on, on the internet, but picked it up not even really sure what it was on um it's a pretty old series i think it started in the 90s um that's just one of those i think it was playstation yeah i think it was probably playstation which is even more weird why i never played it because i played all of those forming type games on on the era um especially with the interesting looking mascots uh i think the there's two games in this collection uh, as far as i know um, they appeared to be different characters interacting. So I know very little about the series. I have just an outsider's perspective on I've heard it's good, and I'm probably going to pick up the collection uh, to try it out. Yeah, I probably will too. Maybe not right away, because there's, there's a lot. There's a there's lot too to much. Do. It's a big time. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of games going on the wish list here, Absolutely. just so that I can remember them for later, beyond the ones yeah. that I want to pick up day one. Yeah. And that is everything that was there. But before we uh, wrap up by saying our, our favorite things from the presentation, I can't help but want to discuss the things that weren't there. Specifically, Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 did not make an appearance. I think it was pretty 50-50 on if we thought it was going to. It did not show up. Looking at Nintendo's calendar, there's still nothing slated for October or November. The latest date we have is Xenoblade Chronicles 3 in September. Doesn't have an exact date yet, just that month. A Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope also didn't show, but I've heard that that thing is probably going to get pushed to 2023, based on what I've been hearing. But we got no Zelda, no Bayonetta 3. You guys still think these are coming out this year, or did their absence in this presentation concern you a little bit about them hitting in 2022? I'm actually kind of glad Zelda didn't show up, because I thought that it gave a lot of these other games more time to shine. Like, especially a game like, like Live Alive. I feel like that could get you know, completely buried if at the end of the show, they're just like Zelda. And then the entire discussion is just going to be Zelda. Like this was a direct that had a bunch of, you know, cool stuff for, uh, for like main Nintendo fans, but it also had some smaller stuff that I think needed that spotlight. And if they had something as big as Zelda, I think they would have just, you know, gotten completely stomped on like the disney carts yeah, <laughs> get stomped yeah. by mario kart yeah uh, that's a little bit of a different situation but with zelda I'm, I'm glad that it didn't show up because i think these other games needed time to shine and i think that it didn't really need it like this was a strong presentation from start to finish and i think that xenoblade chronicles 3 is a solid game to to cap it off with so for that you know i'm fine that it's not there bayonetta 3 yeah, I mean, that's just the meme at this point that it's, you know, that you just don't know what's going on with it. But it sounds like they're still trying to make it, you know, this year. It's, it seem like they're uh, they're pretty gung-ho about it. So I'm sure we'll hear more about that there. And then, you know, Mario and Rabbids also has the thing of it being Ubisoft. So maybe 
Ubisoft wants some time to show it off as well, maybe this summer. So, yeah, I I don't think the emissions were too glaring based on the rest of the stuff that we actually got. Yeah, I think that I think it just sets up June to be the big coming out party for Zelda. I think it will be your main focus in that direct uh, that will happen regardless of if E3 has any presence or not. Nintendo still will do its biggest show of the year in June. And I think you see 10 minutes of Zelda in that 40 minute presentation. And I think you get a date. And if you don't, you're playing Wind Waker and Twilight Princess this November. I think that, that's the prediction. I think that's <laughs> get a Zelda game out of here. Yeah. Uh, because you got, you, you don't in this current lineup have a November game. Xenoblade Chronicles 3, it's big, I'm, but I'm sorry, it's not your big fall game. It's just not. That's why it's coming in September. I think that they are really banking on Zelda making it because you don't even have Pokemon to fall back on this year because you just had Legends come out. So there's not going to be a Pokemon presence this fall either unless it's like a mystery dungeon or something smaller like that that still doesn't have the draw. So yeah, I think that it not being here was fine. I was hoping for a title, but Metroid Dread was announced in June and came out in October. You, you have games announced today that are coming out in four months. So a game to be announced fully in June with its title and come out five months later in November, I think will still happen. I was disappointed we didn't get a, tel- uh, a title for Zelda, but I don't think that it spells doom for it not coming out this year. There's still a lot of time left in the year. Yeah. But yeah, if, if it if it if it doesn't show in the summer, it's over. That's when you <laughs> can that be would like, be the last all right, chance. this yep. isn't good. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think it's time to worry just yet. Yeah. I'm just desperate for info. <laughs> Give me the info. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing. Uh, all right. Uh, we have gone almost an hour on this direct, so let's rip through our O2 for the week, uh, which is our three favorite things from the Nintendo Direct. Looks like we all have some honorable mentions too so zach why don't you just rip through uh, your favorite things from the presentation my honorable mention i gave to klonoa like i said uh i've heard good things about it i'm uh, definitely gonna check it out when it drops uh then number three i had live alive uh like i said before definitely very interested in this style of game but not a lot of those types of games have piqued my interest quite like this one has so definitely going to check that one out too uh number two i gave to mario kart uh dlc um some really good tracks in there that i've had a lot of fun on coconut mall and Chaco mountain um and it's actually pushing me to get mario kart 8 so good for it and then number one i gave to nintendo switch sports Let's which go. i was by far <laughs> the most excited about um definitely Definitely going to pick that up when it drops, and hopefully it evokes the right amount of nostalgia, and hopefully it gets supported, um, maybe with some more sports down the line, even past golf, who knows. Definitely excited for that. So those those were the my big takeaways. Um, but like, like you said, great, great Nintendo Direct, lots of good stuff for lots of different people. Kev? Uh, honorable mention, Xenoblade 3. The only reason this didn't get on my list is because I've been hearing so many rumblings about it, that I, I, I kind of knew yeah. that something was going to be coming. There was so much coming out about Monolith Soft that it was like, all right, you know, I'm still very excited about it, but I picked these other ones purely based on interest and surprise. Live Alive is my third. I I think these styles of games look absolutely gorgeous, and, you know, there's not a whole lot of, of RPGs out there that, that have these seven different branching stories and the pedigree uh, of the people who made it and you always want to support uh, the games that had a that had a rough road west. You want to give them some love. 
Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC. I just... I'm excited to go back, you know, Mario Kart 8. I'm, I was kind of done with it because I had played those tracks a bunch of times. And, you know, you crack it out with friends here and there, but you wouldn't really go back to play it yourself. But uh, having all these new tracks coming back from those old games that I loved growing up uh, should will probably spur me to, to pick it back up and, and play some more. And then number one, Mario Strikers Battle League. I still can't believe that's a thing. And I'm just glad that uh, that the really good sports games are getting some love and that then it's just back and it, and it shows that other things can come back too. when it's been over a decade, you kind of wonder if these games will ever come back. And when they do, it gives you hope for, uh, for other games in a similar ilk that they could come back to. I'm really looking forward to strikers. And Nintendo's just been doing that more and more. Metroid last year was unbelievable. And then this is to a lesser degree, certainly than, than Metroid dread story was, but for certain yeah, fans, <laughs> no one expected Mario strikers to come back so super exciting uh, my three or my honorable mention the kirby trailer just i get more sold on that game every time really good i can't wait to play it uh, i think it could be honestly like a, a game of the year contender for me with how great it looks and just i love 3d platformers and that looks like a phenomenal one i don't want to see any more though i've seen enough <laughs> i'm done looking at stuff for that game well it comes out in a month so yeah. you know you'd hope that there's probably not a whole lot of time to, to do a bunch more with it yeah then I have the same three as Kev in a different order. Number three, Live Alive. Just looked really cool. Uh, exciting to see a game I hadn't heard of that so many people love that now I can't wait to play later this year. Number two, Mario Strikers Battle League. Almost more excited that it could pave the way for baseball uh, than for its <laughs> actual existence, but I know I'm going to pour a ton of time into this. Excited for online play. Local play with eight players could be a blast. So it looked really cool. And number one, Mario Kart 8. You guys know I, I've been begging for years and years for Mario Kart, and I just can't even believe it's coming to the same game. My favorite Mario Kart. I don't even need to learn, like, a new set of mechanics or new characters or new carts. Just, like, the game I love to play that feels the best is just getting double the courses. So <laughs> I never thought it would happen in a million years that five years later they'd be like, oh, you, you want more Mario Kart? Here you go. We'll double the amount of content. It's just unbelievable. But yeah, that was an A+. Nintendo that was Direct. incredible, yeah. That was unreal. Some of these game awards will be three hours, and we'll talk about it for 30 minutes, because so little happened. Nintendo Direct, 40 minutes, we talk about it for an hour, because that's how good they are at scheduling these things out and cramming them full of stuff that people actually care and game, about. And gameplay. Gameplay. That's always the thing with, with some of these bigger showcases, even E3 to an extent, when it's not Nintendo. Uh, but yeah, the game awards too, yep. where it's like how much, how much can you talk about of like, for example, Fable, when that got its trailer, and you're like, I'm very excited that Fable is coming back, and that's it because I, you know, there's nothing there. It's a frog eating a fairy. So yeah, when they actually have showcases where they show these games off, and you can actually get a feel for what the games are going to be like, and there's a bunch of games, and it's packed into a very quick runtime, like. They, they've got a down pat and this just reminds me of how Nintendo has so much in their arsenal that at any given time they can just dump out a bunch of this stuff and half of it you couldn't you didn't even expect was coming yeah like that they can just do that on a whim and just this I think that it won't have the same impact as 2017 with like Nintendo re-entering the spotlight after five years out of it, it will not have that same impact. 
But from a software lineup purely, pound for pound, this is going to be the best year the Switch has ever had. I'm just looking at Pokemon Legends, Triangle Strategy, Kirby, Advanced Wars, Switch Sports, Mario Strikers, Fire Emblem Warriors 2, Live Alive, Splatoon 3, Xenoblade 3, Bayonetta 3, Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, and 48, or I guess about half, 24 Mario Kart tracks. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that, that anything will hold a candle to this year when it's all said and done. Terrifying. I don't know how I'm going to spend money on all this. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was awesome. Great time to be a Nintendo fan. Yeah. And a Zelda <laughs> Great <fan>. time. <laughs> all right, Kevin, we got to tear through the rest yeah, of the Yeah, we've got, we've got some other news stories, a bunch of uh, random stories. We were talking about this last week. Ghostwire Tokyo got a release date last week, but it had its showcase uh, basically after we recorded the show last week. Now, from... Uh, people actually own a PS5. And Zach, Zach, I know you were kind of uh, looking at this a little bit. What did What did you think? Did you get a chance to to see the uh, the trailer they dropped for Ghostwire Tokyo? I did. I yeah, I watched the the gameplay presentation that they had, and I'm actually very interested. I think I'm gonna pick it up. Um, it's a good amount of spooky horror with yokai all around. Just a very empty Tokyo in terms of population, but. Uh, the exploration of this looked really weird. I didn't expect it to be as free explore as it made it seem to believe. Like, there's, like, a grappling hook that you can connect to yokai hovering above buildings, and you can actually, like, zip around, kind of like Spider-Man. So that's, that that was news to me, and I think it looks really good. Um, it didn't show off a whole lot about the story, just the main character finding one of his friends that gave him powers and then kind of stealthing around the different yokai in the area um and uh, you know having those types of stealth elements as well as something that really appeals towards me so definitely excited for this and i think logan is also interested in playing it but a little hesitant given the horror elements so we might end up playing this <laughs> one like together to play it with you <laughs> yeah. it's rated t for teen it's not it looks scary <laughs> it's not as brutal <laughs> yeah. yeah a lot of gross monsters from from what i've seen it's so. not as much about the gore or violence it's about like the the tension and stress the creepy I, yeah the creepy the, yep. the heebie-jeebies <laughs> so yeah i'd like to play it with zach because yeah it looked cool the first person combat looked really interesting yeah the yeah the different magic, magic. styles yeah. and then really you know unique. like bow and arrow stuff too yeah, yeah it looks uh, really it's cool. just one thing that they didn't really show off on that front is whether or not the magic does anything differently <laughs> they all looked to do the exact same thing so i hope that there's like Monsters that are weak to fire magic, or fire magic lights things on fire. I don't know. It all looks very similar, but hopefully there's a good variation on what you can choose to do. Comes out the same day as Kirby and God. Tiny Tina. Oh. That's a big thing. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, but it looks really neat. A game that just I'm still surprised at how soon it's coming, because we had just seen like a trailer a year for the last two years, and then... Oh, here it is, and it looks awesome. Yeah, and it's, so, yeah, and it's coming out. Big PS5 exclusive that I think maybe could surprise a lot of people. Just based on what we saw, I think it looks really tight, really unique, and just it's fun to see first a first-person game that's really different. I feel like it's really easy in that genre to stick to the same tropes and the same style, just to have this horror, like he's just doing all these different spell casting with his fingers. Like it just looks super cool, really flashy. Yeah, so that comes out really soon along with a bunch of other games <laughs> they just they don't stop yeah uh rockstar they finally acknowledged that the next gta title is in the works 
it's almost been a decade yeah, <laughs> since still gonna GTA be a while. 5 came out. And yeah. we're waiting on the next version of GTA 5, mm-hmm. which will be coming out to uh, current consoles quite soon. Uh, Zach, any thoughts on Rockstar acknowledging that GTA 6 or whatever the next GTA game is, is in active development? No, I had a pretty good sense that they were working on a new GTA. Um, I guess it's nice that we finally get confirmation. Um, I do believe it's probably going to be a while until we hear anything else. Um, And I have even no general idea of when that game will come out. Um, So... Yeah, I'm sure it'll make PS5, hopefully. Uh, not, I mean, not, they they were able to make five, you know, make 360. And yeah, e- exactly. Even if it has to come out on the next-gen consoles, like, soon after, you know, yeah. they'll do it. But I think it'll probably hit mid, mid-gen, mid probably. That sounds about right, yeah. Right. But we'll still be playing GTA Five for a couple more years. Yeah, I'm, I'm always just curious of, oh, of what us, this game's but... going to look like, because yeah. they've already done such a good job of making GTA five look really good. And I'm, you know, I'm just curious what they'll be able to do with six with all of this time and all of the, all the GTA online money. Yeah. <laughs> better they've, be got, they've got money <laughs> and red Dead two looks amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So but the online support for that kind of fell off pretty fast. Apparently so. they're coming back to it. been seeing that they're, they're going to work on that a little more. Cause yeah, people in the community were really upset about the state of Red Dead Online. Saw that. Because they couldn't yeah. nickel and dime people with like a new car yeah, for like three same. million. New and horse. Like every, yeah. every expansion, they're like, buy this six million dollar building or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'll play the online mode. It's going to be coming out with it when it when it drops. But I'm more interested in just come out in, before, in the story like, and that world Halo. that they that they make. But you know, after nearly a decade of five, it's nice to know that they're that they're working on it and that they're far enough along that they'll say that they're working on it. Obviously that it's still a long ways off, but to know that, that they're talking about it now means that they're fully in on it. So yeah, good to hear. Day's gone. Back in the Let's news go. again. I'm excited. Um, this director keeps on just rolling in with something he's, new all the he's time. Got a lot of opinions. He, this man, but this one's good. So apparently, That's, yeah, he wanted to make an Uncharted game about young Sully. The dream. Which we've been talking about it on this show for I don't know how long. Years. The Sully Chronicles. Did did your scripts get leaked? Does, <laughs> does he have them now? Yeah, so I have a Google <laughs> Doc. Have a plan? <laughs> I have a Google Doc that uh, that plans out all five entries in the Victor Sullivan Pentology. Five games about uh, our Sully. And I, I think the director here talked about Sully just getting out of the Navy and him kind of uh, making his own way beyond that. And that was one of our games. That was one of ours in the five. We're not the only ones that want this. Unfortunately, this guy's just off the deep end. None of his ideas ever come to fruition. And so this isn't going to happen. It's a shame. Yeah, it's 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 almost worse that it came from him because the idea is probably dead. And the reasoning's weird. Zach and I were chatting about it before the show that he didn't want to make the first Uncharted game with no shootouts. Because he was saying that the story that this would be about with Sully mm-hmm. wouldn't include that much gunplay. But Zach, you were saying that that doesn't matter. Yeah, the gunfights in the Uncharted series have never been integrated very much into the story. Like, Nathan Drake has killed hundreds upon hundreds of people. <laughs> yeah. 
and he goes to bed. He doesn't dream about the faces of the people he's slain. You know, he it doesn't affect him at all. These are purely game mechanic standpoints where he's in a situation where he's going up against a group of people and the gunfight makes semi-sense, and I think you could integrate that very easily into the Sully Pentology, especially when he's, you know, either in the Navy or fresh out of the Navy yeah. or times. I mean, there's plenty of places you can go. I feel like this guy was definitely not nearly as passionate about this project as we are, um, which is why it never got off the ground, because if we were in his position, we would have made it happen by any means necessary. Yep. Um, so it's sad to see that this fell by the wayside. Hopefully someone picks up the ball and runs with it. And if they do, then they've got our contact information. I like the idea that Sully would get more games than Nathan Drake did. Yeah, that's the same amount. I, Five. Four. Golden Abyss. Three. <laughs> oh, <laops>. four <laughs> plus Golden Well, I don't Abyss. think one of them will be a Vita game. Steam Deck <laughs> exclusive. Oh my God. So uh, we've been talking about Activision and Microsoft a lot in the past and what's going to be exclusive and what's going to be not. And Microsoft seemingly comes out saying that COD and other big Activision titles will be on PlayStation beyond the existing contractual agreement. That doesn't say anything about Activision's wider catalog of titles, and they could very easily take this as a game-by-game basis. But from what this sounds like, at the very least, some of the big ones, you know, COD or or Overwatch, will probably stay multi-platform. And for fans of those games that were on that were on PlayStation, this is good news for them. Yeah, it's still it's still unclear. We still won't know until the acquisition is done and we get a couple years in and these contracts expire. They could just mean Warzone. We still don't know if they mean everything. Call of Duty is going to be everywhere. Or if it's just the free-to-play Warzone that's a, a microtransaction cash cow, there's just no way to know. Uh, I like to think that maybe they will continue to put the mainline ones on PlayStation for, for that player base. And it does make sense, especially as Call of Duty as a whole shifts more live service and microtransaction focused. That you'd want as many potential users as possible. But at the same time, uh, it seems like a really big franchise to not have something exclusive to Xbox, whether that's content, early access, or something like that. I mean, I could see them having that because PlayStation's had it for years. Like the whole PS4 uh, generation, yeah. Yeah, and Xbox has the other uh, the other ace up its sleeve in Game Pass. Yep. We were talking about that before, where you're telling someone to drop $70 on the next Call of Duty on, on PlayStation, or you can get the entire library of Xbox games plus Call of Duty for the same for just one uh, monthly rate on Xbox. Like that's that's a big deal. Yeah. So I mean, they have that, um, and I feel like with this, they're at least being a little bit uh, more forward about it than they were with Bethesda. I feel like they were really dancing around it with Bethesda uh, and and beyond the contractual agreements. And again. It can be a case-by-case basis of what they want to bring over, but they seem to have addressed this more than they did with uh, with Bethesda before they just came out and said, like, yeah, these games are going to be exclusive. Yeah. You know, Starfield's an exclusive. They were being very coy about it. Yeah, so totally. they seem to be a little bit clear. But, yeah, remains to be seen completely until these games actually come out. You won't really know because they do have the power to just decide if something's going to be one platform or not. Yeah. But we'll see. And we'll finish off with Wolf Among Us 2. Zach, 
I know you're a big fan of The Wolf Among Us, and that game, I believe, has had a very uh, very rocky road to uh, to getting its 2023 release window uh, with the whole Telltale shutdown. Uh, what are your thoughts on Wolf Among Us 2? Did you catch the, the trailer that came out? It did. I watched the whole live stream that they did. In, uh, Jeff Keighley did an interview with the CEO of Telltale Games as it stands and one of the co-founders of Ad Hoc Studios, which is working with Telltale on the production of this game, and yeah, this, this game has definitely had a bumpy road. The original started coming out in 2013, and then when it had plans to make a sequel, but when Telltale went under in 2018, that got scrapped, and they got picked back up in 2019, um, and then that the Game Awards in 2019, we heard that this game existed and was being made, and we haven't heard anything since, and now in 2020... Jeez. Ah, announced in 2019... Now in 2022, we first we've got our first trailer. Um, takes place only six months after the first game. I think it looks really good. Um, they've introduced uh, not a whole lot about the story, but we're seeing where kind of the first episode kicks off. Uh, some of the fairy tales living in New York that we hadn't seen in previous titles. Um, so yeah, definitely looks really good. I'm excited to see where they take it. Um, yeah, and, and they did give a release window of 2023. It's going to be episodic like all the previous Telltale games. Okay, so five they're episodes. sticking with that. Okay. Yep, they're sticking with it, but they're planning on having everything completely done before before the first episode is released. Okay. Then why? Yeah, I, 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 I feel like we've gotten to the point where the episodic games kind of died. Life is strange. Like, that was part of the reason why, why mm. Telltale died. And I know that they're switching up the... Uh, the development so they're not like trying to rush to get the next one out yeah. uh and still be working on that but i don't know i feel like part of the reason telltale died was because that just wasn't in vogue anymore like that was you know the the episodic releases just didn't work as well so interesting that they're going the back at it ceo of telltale in the interview attributed it to wanting to give players the water cooler experience of talking about the last episode with your friends before the next one came out all right. We'll see if it works. See if people stick around for all the episodes. All right. That's it for the news. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah. Even even on a normal week, there was a fair amount of just regular yeah. news beyond uh, just the Nintendo Direct. But mm -hmm. whew, that was a lot. Zach, quick what we've been playing before we wrap up here. <laughs> There's no rumors we got to talk about. Oh, oh my God. Skipping it. Do we not? We'll save We're it. Skipping it. We'll save it for next no. week. We're running long. All right. I have no, one. That's gonna... I have one. <laughs> Okay. Today's, so it'll be today's a, a, rumor, a nice and... people were oh. just uh, in my Sonic circle, were just upset that there was nothing in the direct for, for Sonic Frontiers is all I was seeing They didn't today. address his quill length in there. They did not. No quill oh, length. There was nothing. Yeah. But I got one for next week that I'll save since we're running real all right. long. We'll get a nice right. and stale one for next week. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fresh. All right. Zach. All right. That's going to do it for this week's rumor roundup. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. We're gonna quickly one of the best rip ones. through. <laughs> yep. We're gonna quickly yeah. rip through what we've been playing over the past week. Uh, I don't think it's been a crazy amount of stuff. We'll start with Kevin. Anything new on the Tomb Raider front? Just Tomb Raider. I'm enjoying it. The story is nowhere near as good as uh, as Uncharted is, and I think it's partly because you get separated from the people right away, and then they start killing some people off. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> like, yep. Why do I care? Uh, He's dead. Um, but I still think uh, the the gameplay is a really good time. I like the upgrading system for things, and 
you know, in terms of the gameplay, at least it's on par with those earlier Uncharted games, just in, in the fun I'm having and, and the locales that you go to are a good time. So yeah, I'm enjoying it for what it is, but that's about it. I remember being weird that everyone gets separated and then people start dying and you're yeah. just on your own the entire <laughs> game and you're like oh my god what is happening yeah yeah there was like a scene where this guy died and she's like no he's dead and i'm like i don't even remember a scene <laughs> yeah. that he was in was he <laughs> Dang. if he was in a scene he was i think he was in one they scene they were all like in a the flashback yeah <laughs> like, i was like okay was it. he's yeah. dead he's dead now okay cool but yeah, the gameplay, uh, the gameplay still holds up, I think. And then for me, I've played uh, some more uh, Miles Edgeworth Ace Attorney Investigations 2. Um, I've gotten to the point where I'm now ripping through the last few cases. I finished case 3. I thought it was great. Um, I'm really enjoying the, the investigation sections where you can actually run around and interact with stuff and the sprite work is really cool and i'm really sad that these are the only games that it's in because after i finish this game i'm gonna have to go back to just regular ace attorney investigations where i only got a screen that i have to move my little cursor around and and investigate stuff so i'm really sad that these never made it out of the uh miles edgeworth game so if there ever is a new ace attorney please bring back the moving around investigations because that is definitely the best way to do it and then other than that logan and i got the chance to sit down and play some more legend of zelda majora's mask uh what are your thoughts so far on your on your new playthrough yeah a game that i respect more than i actually like every time i i dive back in i'm like this is gonna be the time that i fall in love with majora's mask and it's just not meant to be two ships passing in the night i just don't like this game very much the concept of, of the timer and the clock is brilliant, and especially for a 22-year-old game on the N64. Like, it's amazing, this Groundhog Day world they created where every NPC has a schedule that you need to learn. It's, it's brilliant, and those are the highlights of the game, are piecing together where to be when to do a side quest to get a mask. That stuff's great, and it's a really smart way to extend the the scope of a game that was developed in a year and a half and is not that large uh, if you just take it for locations and quests it's a pretty small world but extending it time-wise on day one two and three rather than area-wise it was it's just brilliant it's it's genius design but the quest design and the dungeon design itself didn't get all the love and refinement and attention that every other Zelda game does because of its rush development. So like I'm in the temples and I'm like, I don't dig this temple very much. The gameplay is the Goron and the Deku isn't that fun. And it's just the, the things you do before the dungeon aren't as tight as other Zeldas. So the main quest itself, I really dislike. And that's just impossible for me to get over when I love the atmosphere. I love the tone. I love the town and the side quests, but the main quest is just, in my opinion, poorly executed. And that, so that's why I can never get attached to this game as much as I wish I could, because I think it's super cool. It's just, there's just a lot I can't get over about it. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I love the, I've absolutely loved the time loop mechanic. I do think it's like a game that would have come out last year, the year of time loops. <laughs> yeah. Like it fits really well. So it was very ahead of its time. And I love the hub area, Clock Town, with all the NPCs running around and having to figure out their schedules to do all these side quests. And it really seems like, 
getting all the masks is the definitive way to play this game to get the full experience because sure. like you said yeah the main quest the first temple was perfectly fine and the second area as the goron was not crazy enjoyable at all so mm -hmm. uh, and i've heard you know the water area next is yeah it's a water area so definitely not super looking forward to that um but you know i i wasn't expecting to fall in love with this game so I had pretty low expectations, so I'm actually pleasantly surprised how much I'm enjoying it, especially when we're just doing side stuff. Um, so looking forward to finishing it to see where it falls on my definitive ranking of 3D Zeldas and it being the last 3D Zelda that I have not played. Definitely looking forward to checking it off. Yeah, Kevin, were you going to say something? I thought you were going to chime in there. Which is better, Majora's Mask or Groundhog Day like Father Like Son? Oh, Groundhog nice. Day like Father Like Son. <laughs> Majora's Mask. Is, is it even name. a contest? <laughs> yeah. And that's not all the Zelda for me, though. I 100%ed Skyward Sword HD. I did wow, everything to there do. is to do. And there's actually a change in my pre-year of Zelda ranking. I had Majora above Skyward Sword. That has changed. I like Skyward Sword uh, quite a lot better than Majora's Mask. Still extremely flawed, and you can't get around that. Uh, and an HD touch-up didn't get over that. It's The thing that really stands out to me after beating it is it's a game that's too afraid to let you figure out anything on your own. There are just these instances where you're like, it's a genius puzzle, and Fi just won't shut up about telling you how to solve it. And in the final dungeon, I realized how frustrating that is because there are moments where it's it brilliantly hints at what to do without telling you. For example, you have the beetle, the little remote control guy that you can fly around as. And there's a switch you need to hit that's hidden in a cave. But you, you can't see it. And around the room on the ceiling, there's these rupees. You see the rupees and you're like, oh, the way I get those rupees is with my beetle. And so then you just naturally take out your beetle and you're whipping around. And then you just stumble upon the switch you needed to progress. And it's super smart, just really delicate, guiding you along and how to solve this. But then in other times, it's just like, tells you straight up what to do. And it's just super frustrating. Um, so, so that is frustrating. The pacing still has significant issues. And then the story can be an issue at times too. Because it's like, oh, Link, this is the goddess destined for you to do this. It's like, really? The goddess needs me to swim around this, this dang lake and collect your 30 music notes? Really? The goddess set this all in motion like a thousand years ago? Fetch quests. Doesn't even make sense. Stuff. It's like, oh, and then the goddess needed you to find this ruby and then find the socket to put it in on the other side of this island. It's just BS. And it hurts the story. The fetch questiness of the game hurts the plot when it's like, this is the journey that was planned for you 1,000 years ago. It doesn't make any sense. But that being said, the final dungeon is excellent. Uh, it's one where you rearrange the rooms on a slide puzzle, and then it shifts the dungeon all around you, and you have to figure out how to get to all these different places. And it feels like a prototype for the Divine Beasts, where you are changing the, the wing angle or the trunk angle, just actually manipulating the dungeon uh, it is really neat. And then the ending is amazing. The final, the final sequence, the final two bosses, and the cutscenes, and how the story does end up wrapping up is a really strong ending that leaves a good impression and kind of heals some of the, the sour notes from the rest of the game. So I think it's a good game. I think it's a 7 out of 10. Solid game with a lot of warts that I'm glad I revisited it. I wasn't sure I ever would replay Skyward Sword entirely, and I did everything. And uh, it's nice to have a 
a newly formed opinion as I've played so many more games uh, and, and grown up since this game came out. So I'm glad that I have that new opinion on it. And it was fun. It was a fun experience that leapfrogged Majora's Mask. So uh, it definitely improved in my memory. Nice. Uh, and you're still working on, on your on your list and you've taken notes for yep. all these games? Yep. I'm kind of... Uh, I've I taken a little break. It took me 40 hours to 100% Skyward Sword. Uh, so I mean, for 100%, that's not too yeah. nuts. Yeah, so I'm taking a break, but the Minish Cap is next, which is a really, really good uh, top-down game from GBA. So I'm excited to dive into that one. And it's shorter, too. It's only like 12 or 13 hours. So I yeah, should nice. be able to for that. Change of pace. Yeah. Yep. You're a Zelda. You're a Zelda. Anything else? Uh, a couple other things, but we got to go. So I'll, I'll keep it <laughs> at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God of War a little bit more and a really cool dreams project. I want to remember to talk about next week. That was super cool. Look forward to that and look forward to us talking about Mario Kart in the near future. Talking about tracks that we want to see coming to the expansion pass for it. And in two weeks, horizon. We'll talk about horizon in two weeks. Yeah. Super exciting. Just kicking off the absolute mess of games. Endless. (laughs) It's going to be coming out. I'm glad I finished Skyward oh, before Horizon. That was my goal, and I did. So I, I'm glad I'm, I'm so clear on a big game until then. <laughs> the plate pretty much cleared for Horizon. Yep. All right. Yeah, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Another long one. I love Nintendo. Today was really exciting as a primary Nintendo fan. It's just so fun what they surprise us with. It was thrilling. Yeah, that was a great, great Nintendo Direct. Zach, any final thoughts from you? I was disappointed with no Monster Hunter. Uh, but that was surprising. I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Sure we'll I guess so. About... It's coming in the summer, so yeah, yeah. They'll probably do their own thing for it. Just a Capcom. That's and, right. and it's yeah, it's an expansion as uh, instead of a full standalone game. So I feel like they could just do like one big show off for it a little bit before it launches. Yeah, It'd probably uh, be fine. But yeah, guess that wasn't there. All right. That's going to do it for us on this week's episode of Oda Games. We're here on Thursdays or Fridays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Our website, odagames.com, has the audio version and the other podcast streaming services that you may use. YouTube at Oda Games has the video version of the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Oda Games. You can send us an email at odagamescast at gmail.com. For Logan and Zach, I'm Kevin. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.